Welcome back. Tap That AZ Podcast. Hourglass Cats. Thank you, guys. The Hourglass Cats, I should say. Um, their initials are THC. So, I don't know if that was on purpose. What was first? The THC or the Hourglass Cats, guys? Hmm? Are you listening? I hope you're listening. If you're not, well, I guess we'll never know. Anyways, these guys are local Phoenix Ben. Um, love them. Uh, when, we, when the whole COVID thing started, we did a few uh, Instagram Lives and Corey Rios, the lead singer guitarist for the hourglass cats was on the show and just incredible incredible musician great representation of arizona music so check those guys out they are on all of the music things software whatever torrents whatever you guys call them these days the hourglass cats uh that song is off of their 2016 ep Portrait of Cats, and I don't have the name of the song offhand, but you'll, you'll just listen to it. You'll find it. Now, this new series, little peek behind you know the process that we went through when we published the Arizona Beer Book. So, Arizona Beer Book, uh, if you haven't seen it or if you, you don't have your copy, go to thearizonabeerbook.com. It's in tap rooms all over the state as well. I have a list of them. I don't have a way to share that with you that's in a, that would make sense. Um, I'm not going to share a Google sheet with you. And so keep your eye out for it. If you really want it, go to the Arizona And, um, yeah, it's, I don't, where were we going with this? Oh yeah. So this was in the process. Uh, this is kind of a sneak peek in the process of us publishing this book. So we basically would reach out to the places, breweries, brewers, brewery owners, and say, hey, we want to do, we want to highlight your core beer. Uh, let's talk for 20, 30, 40 minutes about this particular beer. And it was really cool. It was never meant to be published. It was never meant to be shared with anybody. It was just for our own, you know, our, our own uh, research. So was listening to it recently, you know, kind of cleaning up my Google Drive. I think I have 14 terabytes in there, shit I don't use. So I figured I'd, you know, let's go through it a little bit. And these things sound, I thought they sounded pretty cool. And this one is really exciting. Uh, this was probably the best quality one because we just did it right after we did the actual episode with them. And this is, yes, the infamous Four Peaks Kilt Lifter. Uh, people love them. People hate them. Um, you know, I was one of the, you know, oh, they sold out, you know, because I didn't really know the story. Um, I just, you know, sounded cool to just call them out for no reason. And, you know, not be held accountable for it, so... But uh, anyways, I uh, went to a tasting event and uh, met Andy, the founder. Um, I mean, there was a handful of founders. Um, maybe I don't know the entire story, but I feel like Andy was like the core, like the start of, of the whole thing. So we just started chatting and I let him know about the podcast. And he was like, I was like, man, I'd love to get you on the show. And he was like, oh, you want to talk to the asshole who sold out, uh, sold out the Anheuser-Busch? Let's do it. So I knew right then that it was... I was going to get some good good stuff out of this, some honesty, and really did, and it really changed my perspective of, of, um, of Four Peaks and really what happened and um, kind of the the benefit of, of all of that. So yeah, it, I can't remember what episode number it was, but go back, Four Peaks uh, episode was just an incredible, incredible story. But this is Kilt Lifter. This is like the Arizona beer. So it was really cool to hear this story. So let's get into it. My intro's, I mean, that's almost four minutes long. It was unnecessary. 
it's completely unnecessary. So let's uh, let's get into this one. Let's uh, hear about Killmaker. Sure. No. So it started off before we even opened. We had a, a Sabco brings us in the same pilot system, same kind, not the exact same one of pilot system that we had now. And I was doing pilot beers while we were building the place out. Um, and I've always loved Scotch Ale, like bigger Scotch Ale, like eight nine percent, just that sort of warming caramel malt. It's just beautiful. Um, and I made one, and I ended up being about ten percent. Uh, it's a funny story. The electricians were here running all the conduit, and I'm like, they were kind of my test market at the time. I'm like, you guys are working all night. There's beer in the fridge. Go ahead and grab it, but just yeah. let me know what you think about it in the morning. So I come back the next morning, and they're not here. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> so one of them trickles in, looked like the dog dragging him in. And I'm like, what happened? And he's like, I, you're going to have to talk to Todd. I'm like, okay. So now I'm intrigued. Well, Todd shows up at about noon. Big, big scab over his left eye. And I'm like, what happened? And he's like, uh, yeah, I got into that beer a little too much. Um, my wife took her wedding ring off and threw it at me. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm like, I think we're on to something here. Um, what was the scab from? The, the ring. That, that's, wow, that's she had a good arm. Yeah, I would yeah. say so. Yeah, like Ninja Star. Yeah, style. something. Good wind up. <laughs> That's mm. got to go in the book. That's why nothing works electrically here. <laughs> so the beer was good, obviously. Great, but just like way it. too big. Yeah. Um, toned it down a few times. And then when we opened, we didn't come out with it. We were just yeah. like, nah, I don't know if people, is that, if that's what they want. Yeah. yeah. So we did a pale ale, we did a stout, we did peach ale. That was one of our originals. And then maybe a year into it, we came out with Kitlifter. It wasn't Kittlifer, it was Scottish Amber, like I said, an awesome name. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it just took off. I, inexplicable. A 6% alcohol, amber-colored beer in Arizona. Just for no reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, well, I know there was a reason. One of the reasons was when, when people would come in, they didn't know what to expect. They'd be like, oh, I don't know, what do you have that's closest to Bud Light? And instead of <laughs> yeah, and instead of handing them our lightest, which is a golden ale at the yeah. time, we told the bartenders to give them Kilifer because in their heads they already know what they expect from a light lager. Sure, they don't know what to expect from this. Yeah, but it was so easy drinking. It was so it was so not hard. You know, it was yeah. such a great beer to warm up to, and it was completely different. And in a way, it kind of looked it looked cool back in time. You know, you're holding this kind of dark beer. Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny because years later not knowing that story at all Ted and I did a lot of different beer events and there'd be the, the Rajipa guy would walk up to the booth <laughs> yeah. and I, you know he wants a Bud Light or something as light as we have look at him kind of look him up and down give him a kill lifter five minutes later he's got five friends over and yeah. they all have to have a kill lifter yeah. yeah it's crazy how that worked yeah it's interesting that that approach of not replacing but like just well, you're just setting yourself up for failure because they already yeah. have it in their heads with their what they expect and, and it's not going to yeah, yeah. and they're going to trash it so yeah. we're well, zig, they, when, zig when they zag you know they also yeah. feel a little cool because now they're learning something and it's like oh my yeah. gosh I'm trying something different I actually yeah. like a darker beer and they get to strut around and then they get to tell, tell their buddy Scottish about how great yeah. this dark beer is and yeah and a great name too I yeah from the say oh yeah. that's a kill lifter yeah. <laughs> that just propelled it into the stratosphere once <laughs> yeah. the name got on it so yeah but it's a great beer though it's one of our most awarded beers too 
Yeah. What have you guys won with uh, Jesus, you probably have it on the wall. <laughs> yeah, Kill Lifter, actually, I did a little research on Kill Lifter. Kill Lifter's um, a seven-time winner at World Beer Cup and Great American Beer Festival. It's won at other festivals, but those are the two biggest ones that we kind of hang our hat on, I would have to say. Yeah, those uh, are the ones we care the most about. Yeah, but for a flagship beer in America that's still growing, mm-hmm. that's won that many medals, uh, I would have I to say Kill Lifter's probably the most award-winning flagship beer in America that's still growing. Wow. So what it's kind of still growing. Like it's the, it's the it's brand still growing. Yeah, right? it's, yeah. it's it's only in five states. Yeah, we're only in a handful of states, and you and know, grew in Arizona too. Yeah, ninety percent of our business is still here in Arizona, and we're still growing with Kilt Lifter. So, and now we're starting to come out with the more barrel aged Kilt Lifter, the Gilt Lifter, so more of the living the, the Lifter family with the great success of that beer. I mean, you know, one reason that I kind of moved on from a small brewery called Rio Salado Brewing Company way back in the day was, you know, I started seeing these tap handles called Kilt Lifter around town, and. You know, I was doing a little uh, side work at a bar. My wife, uh, uh, basically, and I, you know, I was bartending and selling beer for Rio Salado. And the bar that we had, is, we had Kilt Lifter on draft. And it, everyone's, like, ordering this Kilt Lifter, Kilt Lifter, Kilt Lifter. And one night after my shift, I had my shift beer. I'm like, this beer's delicious. And when I had an opportunity after meeting Andy and Jim Scossel a couple times at beer festivals, because back in the day when you went to a beer festival, like Roper said earlier, we knew all each other by name. You got to hang out and enjoy each other's company, each other's beers. And I really wanted to sell this beer. And at that time, you know, you had Sam Adams, maybe Fat Tire was getting pretty big. But I knew that this beer, Kilt Lifter, was going to be something special. So I was glad that I came on board and been a part of the success of Kilt Lifter. And that's why I'm still here to this day because Kilt Lifter's uh, been a big part of my life. And it's something that I've always wanted to take on to a bigger level. And Ted uh, his daughter, Kilt Lifter. Yeah. <laughs> and his son, Rajipa. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> my dog, Rajipa, and my daughter, Kilt Lifter. So, yeah. So, so what, uh, what are... Um, what are what are the ingredients in the process? I mean, obviously, without giving away the secrets of it, but what? No, it's simple. It's caramel lady, a uh, little bit of carapels, a um, little bit of roasted barley, and the rest is altero. And there's, believe it or not, one hop addition. Right, oh, really? right at right at ninety minutes. Right yeah. at the right at the beginning of the boil. That's it. Just a bittering hop. Yeah. What yeah. what makes kilt lifter kilt lifter, and what what makes a lot of our beers what they are is the yeast strain that we have. Our ale strain is a proprietary strain. Um, which is another great story about. I'll save that for another time for part two if you want. You can actually add that in there. I'm sure we probably want to have something like that in the article, right? Yeah. So our yeast strain, when we first started out, we we were using what everyone was using. It was Chico. Uh, great yeast. You can kick it around the brewery. Um, the problem with Chico, in my mind, is that it doesn't really bring a whole lot to the party. You're really depending on your other ingredients. Okay. Um, at the time, there was a guy named... Uh, uh, Dr. Paul down in Tucson at a place called River Road Brewing Company Paul Farnsworth um, it, awesome guy a Brit uh, went to Harriet Watt University which in my mind other than Siebel is one of the best brewing schools in the world uh, PhD guy um, PhD in a brewing school? yeah wow, in Harriet Watt yeah. yeah it was a food science degree I think but okay. it, it was focus was on fermentation science oh gotcha okay um he talked to. He's just an awesome guy. He he helped set up our quality program. I, I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but um, anyway, went down there to, to River Road, and it was pretty rare to have a new brewery, so we were super excited. Got in the car, drove down to Tucson, had his beers, and they just blew me away. They were super clean and just had this amazing fruity ester character that I hadn't had since I was in London. Uh, 
asked him, like, what, what yeast are you using? Like, how do you get that flavor? And he's like, well, it's a strain that I've been sort of training for the last couple decades. It's an English strain. And I'm like, I wasn't going to ask, but I had to. I was so possessed at the time. I was like, I, can I have some? I fully expected him to, like, kick me out of the brewery. And he was like, no, I uh, bring, a, bring a corny can down or something, you know, next weekend. Uh, I'll fill you up because we're closing. I'm like, what? Yeah. He's like, yeah, we're we're shutting down. It it didn't work here. I'm like, what with these beers? How does it? Uh, so next weekend, drove down, put a brought a soda can, a corny can down, and he filled it up with yeast. With one caveat, he's like, when I want it back, I want it back. Yeah. I'm like, no problem. Yeah, no problem. Um, years went by, and then I crossed paths with him again. And he wasn't working, and he, I'm like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Nothing." He's like, "But I, I did notice that you're sort of lacking in a quality program." And I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> really? Thanks." He's like, "Would you mind if I temporarily came and helped get you off the ground with a with a QCQA program?" I'm like, "What? Mind? No, I don't have a hole in my head. Yeah, please." So he, for about a year, year and a half, he came and, and set up what is now our QCQA program, which oh, wow. is amazing. Yeah. Um, but that's how we got that yeast strain, and it's amazing. It's it does everything you want. It ferments out completely dry. Um, when it's done working, it completely settles out like peanut butter, like I've never seen a yeast do before. But it puts out this just beautiful, slightly apricot fruity ester that I've not tasted in, in in a lot of beers before. It's it's just wonderful stuff. And when we sent that yeast off to Fairfield to have them test it and do batches on it, they couldn't believe it. They're like, what? we don't know how to get this out of the tank. It packs out so firmly. Like, they were just baffled by it. And they're like, it's like every time it hits RDF, every single time. Yeah. So it, it was cool. Yeah. It can tolerate high alcohol, too. Yeah, definitely. We've, like we've made barley wines with it. We've made meads with it. We've, we did a cider with it. So you do all your beers with that? Not beers. all of them. Uh, okay. Kolsch, uh, White Ale, uh, the one we're having right now, Golden Lager, oh, are, are different yeast okay. yeah. yeah, But gotcha. all of the all of the ales, all of the core ales are done yeah. with that yeast strain. And it's I love it. It's just awesome. And you can what's so great is you can tell when it's right. It's there's a certain color to it and there's a certain feel to it and a certain flavor to it. Like when you're taking out of the tank, you yeah. can just tell that it's just that next three batches are gonna be just awesome. Nice. Yeah. Is it hard to make? Is it a hard beer to make? Kitlifter? Kit yeah. No. Yeah. No. It's, it's yeah, stupid easy. Really? Like I said, it's, it's there's, I mean, the, the specialty malt bill is probably maybe five. Yeah, it's about 5% of the total grist bill. Okay. One hop addition yeah. at 90 minutes, and then brewer gets to clean a like tank or pick his nose for yeah. 90 minutes. And <laughs> yeah, it's a super durable yeah. beer. Yeah. I mean, you can kick it around the brewery. And it still comes out tasting exactly right. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've definitely screwed up a few batches, and so does Melissa. Bonehead. Bonehead. <laughs> bonehead. bonehead. You're the bonehead. But bonehead. it always comes out tasting really bonehead. good. Yeah. It's just a really good, durable beer. Jim went to Dry Hop on 8th Street once and Dry Hop to Kilt Lifter. Yeah. All right. Somebody Long moved tank. the ladder on me. Yeah, bullshit. I switched brew logs. That was it. So you had a Dry Hop? <laughs> Lifter, yeah. which we called we called it Bonehead Red. Bonehead Red. <laughs> it was a huge hit. It was actually. it? Yeah. So I, I put the that. ladder on the wrong tank. Yeah. I got the whole tank set up and ready to go to dry hop at yeah. Eighth Street. 
put the ladder on the wrong tank and then went and dry hopped that tank, came down the ladder and then looked at the brew log and said, this is... Or no, actually, you got half of the hops in. And then I look at the brew log going, oh, you're at the wrong tank. You're like, well... Oh, shit. Well, might as well put it all in now. Well, and then so we <laughs> went back and then we added a bunch of Cascade to it. We dry hopped it again uh, and put it out as Bonehead Red. Bonehead Red. One off? Right. Just we one still time. have a tap handle in our office. One off. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Bonehead Red. That may have been awesome. the first thing. But it paid for itself. Yeah. It did. It did. <laughs> yes. Hopefully it made a profit. I'm sure it did. So let me ask you, so what about like taste profile? Like how, how would you describe the taste profile to, to a beer person? Or how would you guys describe that to somebody like like the Rajipa guy? To me, it's the most, of our beers, it's the most pure expression of malt that you can get. It's It, it, it celebrates that ingredient more than any other. Um, and it's that combination of malts, even though it's a very small amount. Yeah. Um, it, it, it packs such a great punch of flavor. I mean, you get the caramel, you get the roast. Um, People expect it to be sweet because there's no hops in it, but it's, I'm not going to say it's dry, yeah. but it's, it's, so, it's balanced. Yeah. Funny. Back to that word again. <laughs> yeah. um, it's slightly addicting too. It's, it's so funny because we, it's all we brewed forever. I mean, it's 60% of our production, that beer. It still is to still, this day. Still 60%. Yeah. Damn. And that's all we brewed and all we brewed. Yeah. So when we go to the bar at the end of the day, the last thing we wanted was a kilometer. Yeah. Until... I'll let you tell your, your side of this story. <laughs> of the true gilliter. Of a, oh, yeah. Well, so my husband and I have a keg right at home. Took a partial keg Who's home. your husband? Derek Osborne. The one and only. Brewmaster at Pedal House now. Doc. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So we had a keg right at home. It was a partial keg. It wasn't the best representation of Killifter. Oh, this is a new wrinkle. I don't remember this part of the story. This is exactly what happened. So it was a partial. So I'm like, ah. Oh. Uh-huh. I brought it back going, uh-huh. uh-huh. Like, this is not I mean, my house for happy hour to be drinking and all this stuff. It just wasn't the right Killifter that I know and have drank. What and I so, heard was, we don't yeah. drink Killifter. We don't like it. That was not it. You heard it. <laughs> Jim heard it. Not at all. It's it exactly just, what you it said. It was a total partial keg that was totally so, oxidized. As punishment, uh, for like it was supposed to be five days. Uh, it's still going it, on. It leaded up to ten days of me drinking a half pint of Killifter, no matter what I was doing. But and he had to see me drink it because he was still on the brew house floor. And he, if I was filtering, he would set a ten ounce of kilt before he left, and I had to drink it even while I was filtering. He had to watch because me drink the first beer, first shift like beer after every shift. <laughs> yeah, Kitlifter. Uh. It was during my shift. You had to do it before <laughs> I left, before you left. You had to see me drink yep. a ten ounce kilt. and I love it. Yep, and now still every day, <laughs> oh, every day. Still? Yes, we should have had one now. I'm yeah, that was like 2004. That was yeah, that was like every day for the last 15 like, years. Yeah, for the last. But it did. It did start our kind of shift beer policy. We. Well, yeah, to try to brewers get four half pints of beer per shift. Okay, after yeah. shift, hopefully. Okay. Um, <laughs> and the reason why we did that was most guys are going to go and drink, you know, two full pints of their favorite beer. Yeah. It's four half pints, and they have to be four different half pints. Because oh, I want we want you guys to taste each and every beer, or, yeah. or get some smattering of. So, because a lot of times the bartenders don't know if the beer's bad. Yeah. The servers don't know if it works bad or off in some way. 
but the brewers will. So it's it's worked. We've caught some things. We've caught a lot of yeah. things, actually. Yeah. That's a great idea. Like yeah. Rajipa today, and from yesterday to today, yeah. line cleaning is a big thing. Yeah. Go and clean So line. they can go and have that beer and come back to us or come back to the manager and go, yeah, I think this Sounds one's going to be off. Yeah. Shut it down. I'll put a new keg on. Problem solved. Yeah. I like that. So I guess I should thank you for not liking Kitlip. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. That was 15 years ago. <laughs> Again, no chronological memory. It could have been I yesterday. I think it won the A-plus award multiple I think times. it was yesterday. <laughs> it was, yes. Uh, do you guys use the um, you guys use the Kiltlifter in any of the food? Like you guys cook with the Kiltlifter? Yeah. The huge. Yeah, a lot of the batters. But we've, we started up a great uh, partnership with uh, Denmark Foods, Denmark Sausages. And they make a Kiltlifter Browerst. Oh, no shit. Yeah, they also make a, a, a peach habanero with the golden ale Browerst. And they're I feel like I've seen amazing. That. It's yeah. in fries. Yeah, yeah. It's a, I have yeah. seen that. It's yeah. a jalapeno hop knot. Uh, the there's a habanero peach. Peach. Yep. yep. And then golden there's a new ale. pitchfork out there. Yeah. yeah, and then we have something coming up for Oktoberfest. Since we sponsor the big Oktoberfest in Tempe, we're going to be doing a big Oktoberfest. Uh, I'm actually going to put in an order for the Kitlifter beer box bites right now for you guys to try. Yeah, so the, the Kitlifter, what she's talking about is the, the brat bites. They're the Kitlifter brats that they, they're like corn dogs. Yeah, they're battered. Yeah. Oh, they're awesome. Amazing. Yes. Yeah. He's ordering those right now. Yes. Yeah. Right, good, good, yeah. <laughs> no, it was, it was always a point of ours to never, I mean, we always wanted to incorporate the beer into the food, but never have it kind of overpower it. We yeah. weren't like that centric about it but our pizza dough is made with the beer uh, with that beer or a beer it depends yeah okay. a lot of the soups are made with the beer um, okay. and it's kind of up to whoever's making the soup that day they yeah. can come out and grab any tap and experiment oh, that's awesome yeah, yeah it's really cool so like the beer cheese soup we can tell a lot of times we can tell what beer it's made with it's kind of funny really that's yeah. cool though yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of weird actually maybe we're too into this I don't yeah, know. our <laughs> chef yesterday yeah. came out and loved the Kleinerweiss the Berlinerweiss he got a pint he's I'm going to go cook with it the Kleinerweiss would be awesome in like a vinegar yeah he, yeah, he was making something it would be awesome but yeah so they have they have full fiat to, to mess around with anything they want that's cool yeah that's cool that they have that ability to yeah. say hey take some off yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like a gallon yeah well they do oh, no. <laughs> it's a little off-putting sometimes you're like wait a minute you need that much right. yeah. but we do have accounts out there in the on-premise so the off-premise actually we have uh, here locally fries is actually carrying the Kitlifter beer brats in the stores and then in the on-premise, Cisco distributes those to our accounts out there. For example, like a lot of golf courses do a Kiltlifter brat on the menu or at the turn. Um, uh, some of our accounts are doing like a Kiltlifter barbecue sauce, Kiltlifter chili, Kiltlifter um, kind of like their fi- for their fish fry. Yeah. So we do a lot of stuff with menu. So uh, Kiltlifter plays very well and nicely. Not only the beer itself complements food, but you can cook with Kiltlifter quite a bit. Kiltlifter yeah. is the best food beer whether it's barbecue or it, it's or amazing it just it complements so many different food styles it's also i was more than flattered tickled really when that somebody has a little kid that's somehow got uh, the state beverage as uh, lemonade oh yeah. yeah yeah and then the new times came out and they're like uh, we can think of five other beverages that are probably should be the state state drink yeah. and Kiltlifter was one of them yeah. I was like wow that was that's cool that is I mean, cool you, you, you don't you don't 
think or you forget how ubiquitous Kiltlifter is and, and what a part of people's lives it's been yeah. kind of growing up drinking it until you know, something like that happens. Yeah. It was cool. That was Foreseeing your, your beer and your logo on a sausage package, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. Be, Completely bizarre. Shit, that's amazing. Completely yeah. bizarre. Yeah. yeah. Still, to this day, that kind of stuff is awesome. What else, Luke? Can you think of anything else as far as... Um, uh, what about the... Um, so you talked about the, the name. What about the can art? What is the... So we went through a... We've gone through a whole new uh, brand change. Okay. I, I love it. I, I, yeah. it. It took forever. It took almost two years. There are too many cooks in the kitchen, to be yeah. honest with you. <laughs> um, but I love what we've come up with. It's, it's, it's bright. It's different. It conveys kilt lifter to me it wasn't visually it's a big departure but i think people who always bought kilt lifter were not confused or put off by it yeah when they saw it i it's funny that my greatest barometer is my wife so i was showing her all along and she would be like no no like the iterations of people yeah. they were coming up and with, then finally yeah. she's like yep that one, that one. <laughs> yeah and then it, and i didn't say anything but we brought it back and that was the one that was that they chose and i was like yeah, yes awesome you're hired. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Nice. So, looking back, like the the written, how long ago did that change? We we probably wait too long to go through brand changes. Yeah. Um, just because it's such a Herculean task for us. Adios, mi amigo. Uh, Adios. Como te va? Adios, jefes. Hey. Hasta la bye bye. Adios. Bye, el guapo. Simon, we. Mm-hmm. What's that guy doing? Uh, He's for dishwasher. Okay. He's been right. company yeah. for, I think, 17 years. He's really? 75 years old. Yeah. He's all smiles, too, man. Yeah. Yeah. Love no yeah, teeth, but all smiles. Good guy. <laughs> Great guy. Yeah. Worked for us for 15 years, 75 years old, never missed a day. Never called in sick. Not once. Not once. Never missed a shift. Wow. Dude, this is awesome. Yeah, coming hero. in with that smile, too. Just yeah. like, yeah, dude, I'm dude, happy to be my here. Hero. That's awesome. Yeah. That is really cool. Uh, what else? I mainly because of its approachability. I think I touched on it too early. It's like back, way back when we first came out with it, it was different for somebody to stand there with a glass of darker beer. You know, it kind of gave you this. Like, I know what I'm doing kind of feel, right? I think that was part of it. But ultimately, it was just so drinkable. It was just so approachable. And this is total <laughs> hyperbole, I guess. But it's it's a it's a di- different kind of drunk, if that makes sense. I mean, you guys are nodding, hopefully, <laughs> in agreement. But it, it was. It was. It was like nothing we'd ever had before. Uh, it's gotten a lot of people in a lot of trouble. Um, I usually try to dilute that with a different kind of drunk. Yeah. Maybe yeah. a lot of golden lager and some kill lifter yeah. to kind of like change it up. Yeah. So I, but ultimately it's a mystery. Like all kind of great products, you don't question it too much. You just let it go. It's selling like crazy. So, so the question was the success of kit lifter. So I, you know, when I go to whether I sell here or to other markets, Kilt Lifter, obviously great name, award-winning, 
Um, when it comes to amber ales, there's not a lot of great amber ales in my mind out there. Um, so it covers that amber category. Um, the approachability of the beer is 100%, like Andy said. But uh, the food aspect and how it complements a lot of things, you got to understand when you go out to a bar and you're going to be enjoying beers and food, whether it's chicken wing or filet mignon, you know, Killifter is going to be that great pairing with it. Um, it, there's so many things about Killifter, and I always get so excited about Killifter. You also get that. It's almost like compound interest, right? Yeah. It's, once Killifter is out there and people have it and they tell more people about it, they get on board with it. And it doesn't hurt that it's an awesome beer and it's a great name. But that sort of popularity helped it, helped it grow exponentially like we yeah. wouldn't have expected. What's really sitting with me, too, is it's not just that you guys were pushing it out there and it has a great name, but kind of the timeline of when it was released out there. It was when there weren't too many of those kind of beers available. Well, and even if you look at JBF and the amount of... So there's three different tiers of Scottish-style ale at JBF World Beer Cup. So there's a light, export, and heavy. So we enter it, but those... It's, it hasn't really changed over many years. There's only about 40, 40 we've, breweries we've, that enter in that category. We've so won in every category. It's We've well, won in light, in the, export, those subcategories, and, yeah. But it's really still just a super small... There really hasn't yeah. grown beyond like forty breweries to enter that category. So and most of those, like a little niche. Yeah, and most of those breweries, to your point, Melissa, is that if you look at those breweries that are entering that, are mostly Arizona breweries because they're trying to emulate what we have done, and they're doing a great job with it as well. But I mean, Killifter itself. I mean, I think for the hottest state in the planet to have a Scottish style amber as a flagship beer has always been kind of like a testament of how well we make a Scottish style amber. Um, you know, it is funny that you said. That. I mean, the brewing industry, the craft brewing industry, is all about copycats, right? It, it, it just seems like that to me. You know, somebody makes a hazy IPA, and then all of a sudden, everyone's making a hazy IPA. But for a long time, I mean, Kiltlifter, with all of its success, no one, no one copycatted it and, until recently. And now we're seeing a lot of, I guess, people are calling them kilt killers. It's kind of funny, but it, it, you're right, though. It's, it, it, it lived on its own for so long without a lot of competition that it just found this niche and it found this it's found its way into like Arizona culture right? maybe I'm overreaching there but it's it's a staple it's a staple of people's refrigerators and diets and lifestyle to be honest uh, that's I why just, you know I think that we're kind of continuing just, our growth with uh, I didn't tell you guys this you. but I, I just bought a house so we went and viewed a lot of houses and you go and do the house tour and you kind of sneak around I think we saw six houses, and I looked in the refrigerators, and four of them had Killifter in it. I was like, that's awesome. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I definitely, it's funny because, uh, so my girlfriend's father and his wife, I've kind of transitioned them from drinking, you know, Miller Lite and whatnot, and then they were drinking Killifter, and I've introduced them into some other stuff. Still, every time I go over, there's always Killifter there. Yeah. And it's pretty awesome to see because it's, one of, if not the most introducing, it introduces tons of people into Arizona craft beer specifically, yeah. and for people to kind of consider you guys not an Arizona craft brewery because of everything that you guys have done is pretty outlandish because you guys are kind of, not necessarily the first, but the original Arizona craft brewery. In the it's funny, pe- people say that, and I'm like, where were you in 1996? Do you know where you I were? was born. In 1996, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was. We we were right here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, 
that's that's kind of the one of the biggest things that I'm picking up on is that so many people get introduced to you, to Arizona craft beer because of you guys, but craft beer in general as well. Whether it's someone going from you know a Miller Lite or whatever it may be and drinking Kilt Lifter, you don't really understand what craft beer flavors are like until you have an experience like drinking the Kilt Lifter for yeah. the first time. So. Nah, that's a great point. And I, I think that goes all the way back to 1996-97 because those guys with the, the belt buckle and the Rajipa, you know, he mm-hmm. didn't know what to drink, but that's the guy that wants a Bud Light. And we offer him a Kilt Lifter, and all of a sudden he's a fan of craft beer. And it's mm-hmm. because it's it's approachable from the get-go, from the from that guy that doesn't know a lot about flavors and craft craft beer flavors all the way up to someone that's a well-seasoned person and it it it, it and that's pairs why, well with food and know? that's it's why i love to hear your guys approach about you know bringing in the fringe I, maybe the fringe is the wrong word those are just everyday beer drinkers those are yeah. just everyday people that like beer and we've those have always been our target i don't preaching to the choir doesn't get you to sanctuary right it's you got to reach out and we've always done that. And I think the way we've done that is through a approachable, true to style, clean beer. I don't, I, I, I love the geeks, whether they want to hate on us or not, they're awesome. And, and they're a driver, but a lot of times it's this sort of circular firing squad and, and, and people get other brewers get caught up in that. Like they want to, like I want to come out with a $40, 16 ounce can that's wax top. A wax top can. Yeah. Did you see that today? Hey, did you see that? Yeah, we'll come out with that. Yeah, no, it's out right now. Oh, really? Yeah, forty dollars for a sixteen ounce wax top can. That um, was a joke. But we've never been that way. I, I don't. I don't get that. None of us get that. I want to. Some of the marketing people ask us like, "Well, what's the target audience for this beer?" And I'm like, "People with mouths." That's the target audience. And a majority of the people with mouths are not the craft beer. No, business. they're not. Which I know. It's one of the reasons why I personally think it's been such a successful beer is because it's so versatile. And it ties into food in a really interesting way because the way the malts are kilned and the flavors that are present, people are familiar with from you know having a nice steak yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah it's from, called the Maillard reaction. It's that, that exactly. same caramelization that you get on a steak is the same caramelization you get in the roasted barley and the caramel. It's just... Yeah, it's a it's a great marriage with food and beer, but it's just a great it's just a great beer. It, well, it's, the, we've always called it the un IPA. So, and the name the name draws them back because they are they're going to remember the name. So they try it. Their buddy tells them about it, or their you know their friend tries them about it. They buy it. Um, they see it at the store. Kill it for oh, it's an easy name to remember. Or if they walk into a bar, and it's a catchy name. It's like kill it for that sounds yeah. cool. I'll try that. So. One of the great things that we've realized about Kiltlifter is like if we want to reset our palates, put a Kiltlifter. If you have a Kiltlifter, if you go from Kiltlifter to Zerical, man, that beer is amplified 50 yeah. times. It's crazy. I was drinking the Golden Lager and then I had a sip of his Zerical and I wasn't even prepared for it. It yeah. definitely knocked me on the palate a yeah. little bit. It's crazy. But, uh, I guess the last question I have to tie it all together, and we did touch on it a little bit, uh, but. How would you kind of describe this beer to someone who is not a craft beer drinker at all? Maybe has never even realized that craft beer. You can Kill Lifter? Yeah. Kill Lifter, I always say it's, it's rich, roasted, multi sweet, underlying sweetness with a kiss of the hops. 
Um, but it's not a sweet beer. It's not, no, it's not I say underlying sweetness. So yeah. it's it's kind of like you know, um, like Andy said, it's kind of like the un IPA. Uh, when we got introduced to new markets recently, it's it was kind of like a breath of fresh air for a lot of not only consumers, the wholesale partners, the salespeople. Um, because you have so many IPAs out there, and they're all great IPAs. Everyone's making a pretty decent IPA nowadays. And, um, you know, to have something like Killifter that's so well-built and so kind of, to me, it's always refreshing, flavorful, good, uh, I would say, icebreaker or introductory beer to a point. Um, but overall, it's been such a great um, beer for other wholesalers' portfolio. Um, we've had we've had retailers bar owners tell us that Killifter's the beer that people walk in and order when they want to decide what to have next. Because they know what they're going to get. The server's there, yeah. uh, Killifter, and then they'll look at the menu and, and maybe try something else after that. that cool. Which is a great compliment for me. You know, it, it, And it got to the point where when bars and restaurants were opening, it was not that we didn't have to go sell them, but they had to have two beers on tap. They had to have like whatever, Bud Light and Killifter. Yeah. It's just crazy. Well, to Andy's point, too, it's kind of like Killifter's got to the point where it's a workhorse. And bars, when they open, if they want something that's going to be a proven winner, yeah. which it is, you know, Killifter's a proven winner. You know, um, no matter what the critics or anybody says about the beer, the beer sells. And it's a award-winning, great name, everything we mentioned before. But it's one of those brands that basically people know that they can build their business around. And we're proud about that. I think that's a really cool statement is that when you have a brand that's that big, it's kind of like you go to a bar and you order a Jack and Coke or something like that. Hey, no, we don't. But we got John Donaldson whiskey. It's No, it's not the same. They want their kit lifter. You know what I mean? They People want, you know, whatever it is. It, it's People want their kit lifter. And, and they know exactly sometimes what they're going to order, what they're going to eat. Um, so Killifter's that staple, and uh, we're proud that we provide that staple to our consumers and to our customers out there. And I think to that point, it's, you know, like me personally, and, you know, I feel like most consumers, you know, maybe every once in a while want something limited, something special, that kind of thing. But when it comes down to it, the fact that I can drive to any of the convenience stores or grocery stores around me and know that I'm going to get something that's a solid beer, it's going to hit me right exactly where I want to and where I expect it, that's something that is almost even harder to find than the limited releases or something like that because maybe you have to drive a little farther for those limited releases or wherever it may be but there's not too many kill lifters out there in the sense that you can't always find something that is going to hit yeah. exactly where you expect it to there's a very small handful for me if, the, if kill lifters are not on it's it's I can say it's hard for me to but I'll I mean I'll default to a, a large national craft before a, a, I probably would a, a local that I don't know of just because I, look, I'm going to spend that money. I, I, I want to know what I'm going to get. Then maybe the second beer, I'll try the, you know, cantaloupe cream stout from somebody down the road. But but it's just, I, I don't know, as a consumer, I want to, I, I want to know what I'm getting when I when I pay for it. Reliability. And that's what, the, that's yeah. what most of the people on the fringe are like, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah absolutely. And, and Bill Wilson, it was still, stop, <laughs> Killifter, recipe yes we had to scale it up made a few tweaks because yeah it's just a much larger system there's a different vessel but you know you're not a good brewer if you don't dump a batch of beer so if it didn't turn out right because dialing in the system or doing something else but Killifter is consistent between this location that location fairfield um, and fairfield 
and we rebrew it, so it's dialed in. I mean, it's it's consistent. No matter no matter if you get it in twenty pounds cans or bottles or draft, it's going to be consistent. Absolutely, and we make it that way, and we Absolutely. flavor match everything, especially with Fairfield. They send us samples, so it's still brewed here. It's still brewed at Wilson. So it's still local brand. Yeah, I don't. I'm I'm not shy about saying that Cutlifters yeah. made. Yeah, it's other or Zircol. I, look, I to, so many brewers want to worry about like terroir and you know it's made here and it's local. If it's a good recipe, it's a good recipe, and 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 above and beyond that, if it's a good beer, it's a good beer. I don't honestly, I don't care where it's made, unless it's made by like slave laborers, and then then obviously I care. But if it's a great beer, it's a great beer. Like I I drink eight oh five. It's not made here. But it's a it's a good beer, so I I don't know I don't shy away from letting people know that some of our beers made it at, at Legacy Breweries because to be honest with you they got a lot of cool toys. We they couldn't can, keep up with it here. And we, there's no way it would there's kill no way us. Could make demand. There's no it would kill us. It would kill us if we had to make it here. It's, it's all we'd make. There'd be two tops. Yeah, yeah, not twenty. But and and in a lot of ways, I some of the kit lifter I get out of Fairfield is better than what we've made yeah I mean we have oversight on all, every batch so I mean, oh. we're watching every single batch up there here yeah. as well there's there's tastings every day okay. so we, we you know we're looking at all that information it's beyond oversight yeah. it's like we're there I mean they're overnighting samples all the time and we're tasting with them on over Skype or yeah. Zoom and it's 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 like we're brewing it 